Okay, Janet, um, once again, I just want to say thank you for joining the podcast this evening. I appreciate it so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. Um, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. All right, so we're going to get right into it. So your first question is talk about your life story. Okay, so my life story, I um, grew up in a very religious household, um, uh, the daughter of two immigrant uh, parents from uh, Guyana, South America, and um, I went to school in a predominantly white neighborhood and uh, predominantly white schools, and then I went to uh, undergrad at Hampton University in um, Virginia, go Pirates. And then I did uh, medical school in St. Louis, um, and that's where I figured out exactly what I wanted to do, um, and that was women's health care. So my interest was initially in the surgical field, and then I had some interest in family medicine, um, and I landed on obstetrics and gynecology because in my mind it was sort of a combination of both of those things and so I was able to kind of get into my passion which is women's health and wellness um, through that uh, field of medicine and so um, since then I've been in medical practice for over 20 years I'm an obstetrician gynecologist, and that means that I, you know, work with women um, with their reproductive health and sexual health. Um, so that means delivering babies, that means uh, doing surgeries, um, and taking care of hormone issues. And more recently, um, I focused my interest in sexual medicine, which is something that is not that well known, um, and but is so so very needed. Um, I recently wrote a book uh, called Why Don't I Like Sex Anymore? I um, run a online shop called The Intimate Wellness Shop, which is like your premier source for all things, all products, sexual health and wellness related, um, curated by doctors. And I am a intimate life coach. And so that brings me to here. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Sounds like you had an interesting journey in your life so far. Yeah, it's been good. So, your next question. Speaking of your book that you just mentioned, what made you write it? Well, you know, I really have, uh, when I I, um, started in my field, um, I didn't realize how untrained and unprepared I was for helping women with their sexual health and it's an area that I didn't get a lot of training in in my residency Um, and my colleagues and more um, seasoned uh, colleagues didn't really have any answers for that very question and that question is something that happens all too often. So women, and I'm sure men in in other practices are coming to their doctors with this question, but I know for sure women are um, in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s and beyond are having this issue about, you know, uh, sexual health and wellness, changes in libido um, or desire, 
um, changes in their body that are affecting um, their sexual health and sexual practices. And so it was a question that was coming, um, and I didn't really have a great answer for it. And so um, that's probably the primary reason um, for you know writing that book. Got you, got you. That makes total sense. And you got into a field where you feel like you can help other women. I'm sure they appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's an area that it's, we're not talk, talking enough about it. And um, there's a giant need for it. So, yeah, it's, it's good to be able to answer some of these questions and open the conversation. Exactly. Like I always say, everybody has a story they want to tell. They just need an ear to listen to it. Right. Well, and then a lot of times the, the story is a, a universal story or there's some part of that story that a lot of people can relate to, you know? Right. I totally agree. So your next topic is what are some of the common issues that women face with sex and sexuality? Well, I think that... Um, something that just kind of needs to be put out there is that a lot of women are under the impression that there's something wrong with them. And the truth is most of us, and I would say, I venture to say 99.999% of us at some point in our lives are going to have, you know, some kind of issue that comes up with their, with their bodies as it relates to sex. And it's, it's normal. And so I think that, you know, women need to shed that this kind of stigma and shame around these issues, um, because for most women and men as well, like there's going to be something that comes up in, in your lifetime um, that will get in the way of uh, your body and it's, you know, how it's supposed to function or how it is functioning. And so that would be the, the first thing that I would want to say. Um, and then, you know, the second thing is that at one time or another, like people will have a change in the desire. So like um, desire, when we talk about the word libido, libido is really referring to our desire. And that desire can be broken down into the, to two different types of desires. So there's a spontaneous desire where you're like, oh, yo, I want to get, get it popping. You know, let's get, let's get a move on. You know, like, that's where it's coming from you. It's automatic. Like, you, you have this desire and you're thinking about it. And it's these thoughts about sex and enjoyment of sex and pleasure are spontaneous. And then there's responsive desire where you have a response to, uh, you know, some stimuli. So you see something, you hear something, your partner approaches and you're like, hey, babe, let's, you know, let's go upstairs and get, a, get it on, you know. Right. And you're responsive to that, you know, approach from your partner and so those are the two types of desire that um, exist and um, for women we have a tendency to be more on the side of responsive desire so um, you know we're, we're not to say that we don't initiate things um, but we're probably less likely to initiate things um, I think the statistic is around 60% so 60% uh, of women have responsive uh, desire as opposed to um, your own spontaneous desire. So that's something that is important to know if you're in a, if you have a partner um, that's a woman that you can kind of keep that in mind. So um, you know, and, and it can come into play in relationship dynamics. So 
that's a, a one of the most common things. And for women, when we have a lot going on in our minds, we've got a lot. You know, you're thinking about taking, picking the kids up. We've got to arrange all of the, you know, teacher parent teacher conference. You've got to take the kids to soccer practice. Your, your parents are aging, you're worried about that, like you've got your job situation, then you've, on top of that you throw some body changes that are going on. It's a lot um, that goes into the mix and can affect that both the spontaneous desire as well as the responsive desire. So that's a, you know, another you know, common thing that happens that is important to be aware of so that when these changes come up, and they will come up, um, for yourself or for your partner, um, you have some understanding of, about what's going on. This is very true. I often say a man should know his partner inside and out, what makes her happy, what not makes her happy. Also, if a woman's not feeling right about something, they should be able to express themselves to their partner too without their partner getting mad or anything like that. Right. Well, I think that for women, sometimes we're not even aware, and that's where like, I, I, I do a lot of the work with my intimate life coaching is that, you know, in order for you to communicate with your partner, for a woman to communicate what it is that she needs and wants, and for her partner to then, like you're saying, know her and understand her in and out, she's got to understand herself first. And one of the things that I've realized is that we don't really get that education anywhere in the process. And especially for me, for me, uh, growing up in a very, you know, conservative Christian home, I just didn't, you know, there's no education around sex. There's no education around, or there, I should say for myself, there was no education around sex or pleasure and, you know, how to, how to know yourself, you know, how to know for yourself so that you can have those um, powerful, connected relationships so that you can communicate to your partner um, who you are, you know, sexually and what you like. And so that your partner can understand where you're coming from. So, you know, there's this, there is a misconception that, you know, somehow men are supposed to spontaneously and miraculously know what it is that you want. <laughs> and that's just, it's, it's laughable because how, how can somebody know what you want when you don't even know what you want and what you, what the options are, you know what I mean? Exactly. And so, yeah. So I think what you're saying is it is important to have that connection. Um, but for a lot of um, women, they don't, they don't know what they want, you know, or they don't, understand fully you know um there is something called the orgasm gap and what that refers to is the fact that for most um heterosexual couples um the women in that in that union are not having orgasms so and they're not having orgasms compared to their partners who are having like pretty much like 80 or 90 percent of the time they're having intercourse they're having an orgasm and the, the women are not and so there is some education around like how to make that happen um that needs to be given to both women and men you know like it's not a man, a man is not born and suddenly knows how to please a woman like how do you know like how are you supposed to know that right you know absolutely you know there's anatomic things there's physiologic things that um you know 
are involved with that process. And so that's why these conversations are so important because there's a lot of shame on both sides, you know, like on, from the male side, you know, there's this bravado that, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to know how to hit it. And, you know, I'm not, yeah. I know right. Right. But it looks like no one's, no one's going to explain to you, like, I mean, I don't, I, I can guarantee most men haven't had a, you know, um, a lesson on female anatomy, you know, and like where the 8,000 nerves of the clitoris are and how to access them and stimulate them. It's just not happening, you know, right. but there, you know, it's, it's something that like, if a woman knows that information, she can then relay it to her partner. And then I, I, I would love to see somewhere down the line where it's just an education that happens for both genders on both sides on how to please each other before people get married, you know, just so they have that information and there, there's no shame around it. And you can, you know, then everyone can tap into the pleasure. They can have these connected relationships and, um, you know, move forward in a positive way. Exactly. Because you don't want to get in the bedroom with your partner and you're about to do the do and you look at each other like, uh, now what? <laughs> right, right. And then if, even if you, even if you are and you're saying now what, like, it should be a situation where there's not shame around that question like okay right. we don't know what we're doing but that's okay like you know um and not not put this like sort of shame on it and make it like a thing where we're learning together you know right and we're figuring it out and we're enjoying each other together exactly when you get have intimacy the first time you're not going to be Go the way you want it to all the time. That's what growth and learning your partner comes in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, before we move to the next question, how is your relationship with your parents today? It's great. Okay. <laughs> it's a great relationship with my parents. Now, um, I will say this, that they're still a very religious people. I'm, I'm less of a religious person now. Um, and I actually went through a process where I, I read the entire Bible. Like there's, there's a lot of shame that is around, um, sex, especially in terms of religion. Um, but I actually read through the entire Bible, um, in my own spiritual journey. And I think I encourage people to do that, whatever, whatever, whatever faith you're in to actually dive into that faith, to understand what the doctrines are to understand what the, you know, where the behaviors and the, you know, what you're doing and how you're living and why you're living that way so that you're, you're not doing it just following, you know, someone else, but you're following your own spiritual connection and you, you know, you're living based on what you have, you know, discovered and your, your personal relationship. So um, I say all that to say that there was a point where I said, you know what, I understand the, this religion, I understand the Bible, I understand where it's coming from, um, and the way that I'm choosing to live my life is in this particular way. And I, I actually spent some time with my parents and tried to relay to them, like, what my belief system is and, like, the, the course that I'm taking and 
it was a good conversation. So they, you know, they were open enough. And I know not every family member is open enough to, you know, accept that. But they were open to enough to accept, you know, my truth and, you know, what um, I believed in and what my path is. And um, I think our relationship is better for it. They, you know, we have a mutual respect and understanding of, you know, what um, is meaningful to me and what is meaningful to them. And um, so, but I, it's, it's very liberating when you're able to say, Hey, this is what I believe. This is how I'm choosing to live my life. And when people know that they, they tend to respect it. Exactly. I'm just happy as there's respect on both sides of the situation. You're able to sit down and talk to your parents as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the next question, you touched on this earlier. Do you want to go into further depth of what is an intimate life coach and what do you do? Yeah, so an intimate life coach is someone who helps you to reach your intimate goals. And so just like you have a personal trainer, so you have a personal trainer, someone who helps you to, you know, let's say you're trying to lose 15 pounds to get to your class reunion and be fly, right? So <laughs> the personal trainer is going to help you outline your goals and figure out what what the steps are to get to those goals, and then they'll help you to actually achieve those goals. And so the same thing can be said for um, an intimate life coach. And for me, I have a kind of particularly um, – unique vantage point because I am an obstetrician gynecologist and I absolutely know, you know, everything there is to know, or I should say most of what there is to know about like the female anatomy and some of the major issues that come up with hormones um, or even with things like fibroids and, you know, other problems and endometriosis, these things that can affect our sex and sex lives. Um, I'm able to, um, help my clients in a unique way um, to figure out what's going on with their bodies. A lot of what I do is in education. It's sort of adult um, sex education and helping women to understand their bodies and what's going on in their bodies, what they're feeling when they're feeling what they're feeling and um, you know how to navigate those um, issues into um, reaching the goals that they have for their intimate lives. Like I said earlier, I'm sure you've helped a lot of people and they definitely appreciate it because sometimes, like we've been talking about, you get into this situation and you may or may not know what you're doing, so it's okay to ask for advice. Exactly. Yeah, and it's you'll find that, you know, when you start looking into it, that it, you're, a lot of women are so relieved when they, you know, when they find out the truth about their bodies because then they're like, okay, it gives them hope because then they realize, all right, I, I can have these. I can reach the goals that I want. Um, and it's 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 actually a very rewarding to see that, like, transformation take place. And everybody's different, you know, so it's, it's not always the same problem. Um, so there's no one size fits all. And that's what, what I love about the one-on-one -on -one coaching is that I'm able to, you know, kind of hone in on those specific things that are, that are unique to each person. 
that's what's up that's what's up now do you have like aligned clients like weekly or is it like over the course of a month um so at, at the moment i have a three-month program so um, i'm looking to expand that but at the moment right now it's one-on-one coaching for three months nice yeah that gives you a chance to get to know a person one-on-one i feel like with most things in life people the results are better when you're able to talk to somebody face to face instead of having like a class of people because some people may get it and others may not get it so yeah i think that there's you know advantages to both um i do um i will be i should say i will be offering a group program and i think the advantage to the group program is this sense of community um, because there's a lot that you can accomplish when you have when you know that there's people behind you um, and then you you have this um, ability to you know field questions and maybe there's somebody in the group who is more comfortable asking a certain question but more people can get help from it so I do think that there's value on, in both um, types of programs that I'll be having. Um, the one-on-one is good because then you're, it's very personalized. Um, the group program, you know, you do get that, you know, support from community. So, um, there are advantages and and disadvantages to both. Gotcha. All right. So your next question is a two-parter. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first part is what is sexual pain and the most common cause of sexual pain? So sexual pain is pretty pretty straightforward. It's pain that you have related to sex. Um, and so... Sorry about that. It's okay. And so, um, yeah, pain, any kind of pain that you have related to sex, um, and that's generally... It can be external pain, it can be internal pain, um, but... And mainly we're talking about, like, intercourse. So um, the most common uh, type of pain that I tend to see is related to uh, dryness. So um, that basically is a lack of, of lubrication or decreased lubrication. And we can see that um, occur for a number of reasons. And one of the fallacies about that is that you know, somebody doesn't desire you or they don't want you, they're not going to get, you know, the right lubrication naturally. And that's actually not true. There's, you know, I just helped a patient the other day who had all the desire for her, her husband, but for some reason her body wasn't responding. And so, you know, one of the most common causes for that is a decrease in estrogen in, in the body. And so for women, um, and estrogen... Um, is, is a hormone that helps to keep the tissues inside moisturized and to keep the um, lubrication appropriate um, and generous and keeps stuff nice and supple. Um, and so when those estrogen levels dip down, you can actually have a change in the tissue texture and you can have a decrease in the moisture that happens. And we see this, this can happen with um, anything from birth control pills um, to, you know, someone who's postpartum and breastfeeding um, and then perimenopause and menopause. We see these are all times where we see the estrogen levels dip down and that can, you know, result in this dryness and and, um, ultimately friction and pain. 
friction in not a good way. <laughs> so I would say that would be the most common uh, cause. Now, do you come, like, I know you say you talked to somebody recently the other day about this type of situation. Do you come across it often or every now and then? Often. I would say every, pretty much every day there's somebody who has some sort of, you know, problem with this. And people, and they don't even realize that that is the reason why they're having that, you know, discomfort. And there's some simple solutions to it, so. Gotcha. So. Your next topic is, what are common misconceptions that women have about sex? Um, I think this just goes back to what I was saying earlier, that they think that there's something wrong with them, you know? And it really taps into their worst. Like, if there's if they're having any kind of problem, any sexual problem, they automatically, like, internalize it and make themselves think, like, oh, man, I, I must, there must be something wrong with me. I, you know, I won't be able to perform, I can't please my partner, like, I'm not good enough, like, it, it gets tied into this whole idea of worth, and half of the time, like, it's something like, you know, you're breastfeeding, you're giving life to your child, and you're, as a result of the hormone changes, now your body is a little bit different, and so, um, a big part of what needs to happen for a lot of women is just reframing um, the way that they see themselves. You know, we live in a society that doesn't always value women in the way that it should. Um, and we we bear the burden of it, you know? So when any, anytime something is going on with our bodies, we feel shame about it, we feel guilt about it. And instead of um, realizing that our bodies go through ups and downs and like figuring out how to fix that, we get stuck in shame. And so sometimes we end up, you know, just tapping out of sex altogether. So, yeah, I think that that is probably the number one thing. It's a mindset thing where we're um, not giving ourselves a credit for the beautiful um sensual creatures that we are, you know? I agree, definitely. Self-love, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. So, your next topic, talk about reproductive health. Reproductive health. Okay, so I think the main thing with reproductive health um, kind of boils down to self-care, right? So you have to be in touch with yourself in in the sense that you know what's going on with your body. You're keeping your appointments. Um, you're you're in line, um, and staying healthy uh, requires that like attention to ourselves. Um, in terms of reproducing and you know bringing new life into um, into the world, like if you're thinking about pregnancy. Um, it's always important to take a prenatal vitamin. I always actually advise my patients to start a prenatal vitamin, you know, a couple of months before you um, get pregnant because folic acid is um, a vital nutrient that is in uh, most prenatal vitamins, especially here in the States. Um, and it's critical to... Um, the fetus forming correctly. So if there's one thing that you can do for reproductive health is to take a prenatal vitamin um, like prior to getting pregnant. And so if you're having 
sex and you're having unprotected sex and you're planning pregnancy or you're, you know, a lot of times people will say, I don't mind if I get pregnant. They're not necessarily trying to get pregnant. If you're even saying like, I don't mind if I get pregnant and you're having sex, you should be taking a prenatal vitamin just so that you have the, the right level of, of folic acid in your, in your body. But in terms of other areas of reproductive health, it really boils down to healthy lifestyle. So if you're, you know, smoking and drinking and staying up late all night and like all of those things, like your body is not going to be as receptive, as healthy, as balanced as if you get enough water in your diet. If you're eating the right amount of fiber and eating plants in your diet and not just meat, you know, you have lean protein in the diet, you're getting enough sleep, you're minimizing the stress in your life. All of those things are going to help your body to perform and, you know, be able to um, reproduce and do well. Understood. Um, your final question. This is for the male listeners who may not know the difference between these two. So talk about menopause and premenopause. Okay, this is a great question for my fellas. Yep. My fellas, listen up. <laughs> this is going to help you in your relationships and your and your wives and girlfriends and partners. So, um, perimenopause is the time before menopause. So it's usually at up up into ten year period before menopause. So menopause technically is if you've gone one year without your menstrual period you are in menopause. So like it's been one year, you haven't had a period, now you're in menopause, that's it. And so then once you're in menopause, you're, you're in menopause for life. Now you can have um, instances where you have bleeding that happens after, and then we call that postmenopausal bleeding. So that is uh, something that is different than a menstrual period. So if you go, if your partner goes a year without a period, and then let's say she's two years, two years later, she has a period that's actually called postmenopausal bleeding. And she needs evaluation to see why she's bleeding after menopause. Okay. So prior to that, prior to that one year, um, is the period called perimenopause. Now what happens in perimenopause is there's lots of huge fluctuations in the hormone levels. Overall, the estrogen levels are dropping down. But on a day-to-day, you know, week-to-week basis, they fluctuate. So they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. So you might have, you know, sometimes your partner might be super horny. Like she's like, oh, let's, it's all in a cracking because the hor- hormones are <laughs> you know? Yep. And then the next next time you look, there it's down and she's dry and, like, she's not, you know, her body's not responding to the desire. Um, so that's another thing that we'll see. We'll, we see a lot of changes, menstrual irregularity. So you'll see maybe she skips periods for a couple months and then it comes back really heavy because now the hormones are up. So there, it's a time of a lot of fluctuations. And with that often comes a lot of emotional fluctuations because your body's doing all these crazy, you know, tips and turns. And it's like, it can be very overwhelming and like, um, um, cause you know feelings of depression, anxiety. You see a lot of hap- a lot of these things happening during this time because there's so much fluctuations. So layered on top of that, when people are in the 
age of perimenopause and menopause, they're often going through a lot of things. This is the time where your parents are aging. This is the time where you're, um, you might have had a couple friends that died. Like you, you may be getting divorced. Like there's a lot of like emotional, you know, stuff and stress and strain that are layered on top of these physiologic and physical changes that can make it really tough for women, especially if they are not aware um, that this is supposed to happen or they're not understanding all of the things that, you know, can go along with it. And there's so many different symptoms of palpitation, joint pains, problems sleeping, hot flashes. All of these things are all happening at the same time. So it's really, it can be really overwhelming uh, for women if they don't have a guide uh, or any anticipation for this going on. And, and equally so for their partners, you know, if you're like, babe, what's going on? Like, you used to be so cool. Now, why are you trying? <laughs> Where's the mood swing going on about? <laughs> what is going on up here? But it's not personal. It's just a physiologic thing that is going on in the body. And so if you're aware of it and if your partner's aware of it, you can get help. You can ask your doctor. There um, is hormone, uh, menopausal hormone therapy that can be utilized. Um, you know, and certain behavioral things, exercise can be very helpful. Um, things to work around not having hot flashes, getting the sleep, because a lot of it is like if your sleep is disturbed, that jacks up a whole lot in your life, too. So um, sleep is a really big part of it. And if you're waking up at three and four o'clock in the morning with hot flashes that like you can't go back to sleep, it's going to, you know, impact your life. So, yeah, that is the basic breakdown of perimenopause and menopause. All right, fellas, hope you were listening and paying attention right there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. You know what, I should probably, like, create a course for for men, like some sort of menopause boot camp so you know what the heck is going on. I believe that would definitely help, seriously, though. Yeah. (laughs) That way you can understand their partner even more. It's like, okay, I know the signs, this, that, and the third. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, your final question, you touched on it a second ago. How can a woman who's getting older deal with hot flashes? So, okay. So, the, from a medical standpoint, the only, there's a couple of things that we can do, like, in terms of prescription. So, menopausal hormone therapy is, you know, the probably the thing that's going to work the best. Although, you know, some people are hesitant about hormones and some people are not candidates for hormones because it can cause um, problems in certain women. And so it's not for everyone. Um, And then there's certain, uh, from the medical side, again, there's certain um, antidepressant medications that can actually help because hot flashes are uh, a problem with the way the brain perceives the uh, temperature, um, estrogen is very important in how your body regulates its temperature and, and how it senses the temperature. That's why, like, it may be seven degrees, but for someone who is having a hot flash, their body reads the room as ninety degrees, and it, it's like trying to cool itself off because it thinks that it's ninety degrees, right? Right. So that's why they're having a private summer. Everyone else is like it's fine and comfortable in here, but she's having a hot flash. And so, you know, there's medications that work in the brain. That's where those some of those certain antidepressants work in the brain to help to reset 
how the mind is perceiving or how the brain is perceiving the temperature. So those are a couple of the things that can be done from a medical standpoint. Um, from a behavioral standpoint, things that tend to be helpful are um, exercise. So um, when people have a regular exercise regimen, they tend to have less hot flashes. People who are um, at a normal weight tend to have less hot flashes. Um, if you are overweight, you have you tend to have more hot flashes. So keeping your your weight under good control, avoiding certain things like that can irritate the stomach um, and make you feel hot. Like caffeine kind of rubs things up. So um, caffeine may be something to try to you know wean down off of coffee. Um, if you um, eat spicy food, sometimes that can um, elicit a hot flash. And then even um, being anxious, so, so being nervous or being um, stressed. So stressful situations can like bring on a hot flash. So if there is some mindfulness that if you're able to try, try to calm and peace yourself down, there's some mindfulness related there that may be helpful in um, like kind of abating or decreasing the number of hot flashes that people have. That's just a couple of them. There's also some products that can be used. There's a device that I don't have it on my site yet, but we're planning to sell. There's a, like a watch device. It's like a watch, but it, it sends a signal, electro um, signal through the wrist and that kind of resets your brain. And it's like a biohack that tells your brain that you're actually not hot and cools you down. Um, so there's a few things on the market that are available to help with hot flashes. It sounds like good information to me. I know the ladies are listening now to you as well, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so at this point in my pod, I always turn over to my guests and you can ask me any question that you want. Ooh, Okay. So what would, I would say to you, what is the biggest um, problem that you've had with um, sexual health and wellness as it relates, relates to your relationships that your listeners might, you know, benefit from, from knowing? Um, you pretty much cover some of this stuff already. Um, just more the important things just knowing my partner like we talked about earlier the things that she likes the things she doesn't like having the lines of, of communication make sure it's open at all times so i know what's going on and then if we don't encounter something that's something new make sure we go through the journey together make sure she doesn't feel like she's alone in the situation like she's not shamed like you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. um that's some of the stuff, some of the right. things. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but that's the main thing. It's just having the lines of communication being open so you you both are on the same page no matter what's going on. Right, right. That's good. So... Before we end this, do you have any last words you would like to say? Do you have anything new coming up in the near future? And do you want to share your social media handles? Yes. Okay. So I will share um, 
my social, my Instagram for uh, the products. So if there's any products that you need to help with your um, sexual wellness or partner sexual wellness, um, you can check those out at um, Intimate Wellness Shop. Um, dot com and the handle for that um, is at intimate wellness shop um, on Instagram and TikTok. And then um, for the coaching, if you're interested in um, coaching, um, you can go to at Good Groove Co. and that's the Instagram handle, or you can reach me at um, the at goodgroove dot com and. Um, if you are someone who's interested in finding out why you don't like sex anymore, you're having you know any issues with your sexual health, you need some education around sex and your body, um, you can download a free copy of my book, Why Don't I Like Sex Anymore, and that's at whydontilikesexanymore.com. And you can um, register to get a free um, download of the book there. Make sure everybody get your book now. Hurry, hurry before they sell out. Hurry up. <laughs> well, you can get it for free. So just go sign in <laughs> sign in at that website, whydontilikesexanymore.com, and you can get it for free. So I, I expect it to be on the New York Times best readers list and soon. Well, it is on the Amazon. It was an Amazon number one bestseller. So, see, um, yep, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's information that people need and are are looking for and helps. So, yeah, check it out. Most definitely. So, I just want to say, Jan, thank you for accepting my invitation to come on the Dead Experience podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Uh, I want you to enjoy the rest of your, well, afternoon for you since it's 3.48, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here in Los Angeles, yeah. Y- yes, so enjoy the rest of your afternoon and evening and weekend ahead. All right, thanks so much, Des. You're welcome. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.